0: Hello and welcome to Drinking Matters. In this episode, we examine the role that public houses had as communication hubs and whether they represented a subversive element or provided a cultural and social bond.
1: There were many uh, different communication facilities and centres in, in local society at the time we're talking about uh, in the later middle ages and the early modern period but it's arguably the case that public houses moved into the sort of principal position for communication at the time why is that because they combined two very different things on the one hand they facilitated face-to-face exchange they provided uh, stages and uh, platforms for people to Uh, display themselves as well as to interact with with, with other people. So this sort of personal interaction was very much the sort of um, rationale for public houses. But on the other hand and increasingly they also took on a major role in supporting the early modern travelling revolution that is this long time, long uh, long distance mobility particularly through the um, postal infrastructure and by the 18th century the stagecoaches. So in many ways the local was uh, catered for by the drinking lounges of the public houses of the time but also these sort of global and um, supra-regional contacts were facilitated by uh, premises which were instrumental in allowing people to move from one place uh, to another. And it's the combination of these two different levels which makes them Uh, as one could say the Facebook of uh, their day or which makes them the sort of nodal points of communication in a sort of local as well as in a a, a rather larger uh, dimension. Different types of public houses uh, had perhaps different types of uh, communication cultures. Some of them were um, primarily uh, patronized by strangers, by people who were passing through, who would not be as intimate with each other um, as, for instance, a back backstreet wine tavern where the same sort of neighbors would meet on a, a regular basis. So in the former environment, uh, I think you would have a rather more uh, reserved, a rather more perhaps also conventional type of interaction, whereas in the latter, Environment. You could talk almost uh, about the people's living rooms where they were relatively unsupervised, where they're very familiar with each other, where they even know uh, the public and personally, where perhaps more could be possible, more um, uh, sort of boundaries could be pushed. And uh, in that sense... Uh, we we might find very different types of atmospheres in these different types of places. Publicans played a a major role uh, in facilitating um, communication through providing the sort of social lubricant of of alcohol in the first place but also through their own status in many ways giving out a signal uh, to the patrons what kind of establishment they might be um, finding on his or her premises. There are Publicans from particular regional backgrounds who would be natural calling points for compatriots visiting that part of the world. There were publicans with a particular professional profile. Many publicans had another type of side employment, so they would perhaps be particularly congenial for people of a similar profession to congregate at. Some of them would clearly signal their membership of the social elite, making them natural calling points for aristocrats or members of the gentry who would uh, engage in polite conversation with uh, somebody of that sophisticated status. Others would perhaps be a little bit more (coughs) uh, liberal uh, when it comes to law enforcement, would therefore attract people who like gaming, who like um, perhaps Um, to find uh, people with whom they might um, plan uh, certain activities that the authorities frowned upon. So the publican, as a sort of figurehead of the establishment, would very much send out uh, clear messages as to what patrons might expect. What strikes us uh, when we look at uh, the types of communications that are going on on the premises is the... um, Different media that are being used uh, between uh, guests and drinkers uh, in the various um, premises, on top of the sort of normal oral exchange, which clearly predominates—the the, the shouting, the talking, the singing, uh, perhaps the swearing. Also, we increasingly find printed um, documents on the premises, uh, ballads uh, that contain the latest sort of stories or songs to be performed, we find pamphlets, particularly in times of religious or political controversy, such as the German Reformation or the English Civil War, where public houses were flooded with propaganda from the various parties. But what is also particularly conspicuous is the ritual forms of communication, the toasting of healths, is almost uh, indispensable in tavern sociability. You have to react in a certain way if somebody offers you a drink, you have to uh, reciprocate what um, people have offered you, you have to say certain um, combinations of words in return. There are elaborate forms of greetings, ways in which you join uh, and establish drinking parties. And public houses are indeed often described as theatres of, of human exchange, where people find a public stage on which they can perform a persona, be it uh, presenting themselves in a particular favorite light, uh, men demonstrating that they are um, strong, that they can cope with a lot of um, drink or women who want to be attractive. Uh, we can find the type of the mysterious stranger who comes into the premises. It's an environment almost ideal for impostors, also purporting to be famous personalities or pretending to be enormously rich, uh, running up huge taps of consumption and then disappearing in the middle of the night without obviously paying for all um, they consumed. It's also an opportunity to pretend to be somebody else. We find members of uh, urban elites going into suburban beer gardens to, as it were, take part in popular culture, masquerading, and getting an inkling of a world they don't normally inhabit. We find respectable husbands flirting with prostitutes or mingling with a potentially dangerous world of marginal and criminal elements. It's an opportunity for both displaying yourself as you'd like to be seen or even temporarily inhabiting a
0: different type of personality. Were taverns genuinely hotbeds of this kind of... Illicit behaviour, these kind of these boundaries where public morals and, and normal rules of behaviour were kind of put to one side, and and things were a little bit more dangerous. Were pubs kind of were pubs dangerous?
1: I think uh, we cannot deny that pubs had a great potential for disruption and for criminal behaviour. For disorderly um, types of activities. The sources are really full of individual incidents where people are swearing, where people are blaspheming, where people are misbehaving, drinking to excess, throwing up, beating each other up, um, organising petty criminal activity. Um, If we count these sort of um, incidences, we find that between... Um, a fifth and a third of all crime prosecuted in local courts actually has a direct um, tavern or public house connection. And this can rise to up uh, to a half of all um, cases of physical and verbal violence. So I think we have to simply accept there's a lot of disruption, there's a lot of disorderly behavior going on, but there were means of keeping it in check. Um, Publicans as well as patrons exercised an enormous amount of informal social control and certain boundaries could be crossed, but other boundaries, for instance permanent um, drunkenness, uh, endangering of people's own household economies, that wasn't socially acceptable at the time and people would work towards Correcting such individuals, authorities, once they heard about notorious drunkards and people who spent all their time drinking, could issue tavern bans, formally excluding offenders from the world of the tavern and trying to put them back on the way of uh, more acceptable behaviors. Sexual misdemeanors are legion, there are back rooms. Um, Frequented by even members of social elites like Samuel Pepys in London. Most of his amorous adventures are conducted in London alehouses and taverns where he invites um, girlfriends, where he tries to um, use the sort of relative anonymity of the public house to make personal encounters possible that wouldn't be possible in other. Environments. Mm-hmm. Most seriously, perhaps, there are rebellions, publicans as leaders of protest movements who use their social capital, their connections, their finances to organize, to coordinate um, risings uh, both of peasants and of town dwellers. Uh, we we'll have to think of the German Peasants' War in 1525 or the Swiss Peasants' War of 1653. All of them have very considerable links uh, to public houses, even in um, the English context. If we think of Guy Fawkes and the sort of gunpowder plot in the Warwickshire in of the Red Lion in Dunchurch, some of the conspirators were waiting for news for London, were planning what to do if the um, attack on Parliament proved successful. So public houses clearly had a potential to accommodate criminals, rebels and violent people. The innkeepers and publicans were practically enlisted uh, as local officials by the authorities, reluctantly, of course, but very often they had to swear oaths of office uh, which would uh, make them responsible for reporting misdemeanors, suspicious behaviors, and unknown strangers to the authorities. They would have to stop uh, illegal activities like gaming for profit taking place. They would have to stop prostitutes from frequenting their premises. They would have to make sure that vagabonds and criminals would be excluded from tap and sociability. But A, this was very difficult um, to spot. You know, you can't always see, of course, what um, patrons have in mind when you allow them into your premises. And B, they had to balance this with their commercial imperatives and they couldn't literally um be moral um, I, um models of moral behaviour when they were running premises that relied very heavily on on sociability and a certain amount of of freedom and therefore they accepted their responsibilities they were certainly stopping um uh, things from getting out of hand, but they couldn't clearly enforce the law to the letter. The authorities had several ways in which to um, punish publicans for uh, not respecting the law of the land. They could clearly fine them, they could cite them before ecclesiastical court, therefore um, attack uh, their honour or or damage their honour in a local society. They could, in extreme cases, withdraw the licence. Very often, licences were issued on condition of acceptable behavior on condition of clamping down on any sort of criminal or immoral activity and publicans could then be held responsible and if a license was meant for renewal or if uh, publicans had to uh, move into other premises then the authorities had opportunities to punish them for any sort of um, activity that they deemed um, unsuitable and irresponsible. Recent research on public houses, both in in my own book but also conducted for other areas of of early modern Europe, has really corrected this sort of perhaps one-dimensional view of public houses as disorderly um, establishments, as essentially uh, destabilizing environments because uh, it becomes ever more apparent how many Uh, stabilizing and um, consolidating functions they had in local society. This is perhaps one of the major sort of reinterpretations in the field as a whole. We now are very much more aware of the fact that many public houses actually accommodated court sessions. They were used for local government purposes. They held um, tribunals in various um, rural as well as urban inns where criminals were actually not committing their offences but were punished uh, for their offences. We have realised how many... Um, opportunities there were to exercise surveillance to make uh, sure that uh, potentially dangerous strangers or visitors could be picked up in the environment of the public house. We know how many political debates and communal assemblies took place on the premises in Bavaria as well as Bern. Um, Many villages uh, did all their Negotiating all their discussion of of, of current issues in, in the back rooms or the largest rooms of their public houses. Sometimes they employed the publican. Sometimes the publican was the the mayor of the town or the village in question, and could therefore not allow his premises to be dens uh, of disorderly behaviour. Otherwise, he would have risked his standing and his status in the local community. So this sort of political Um, role of um, public houses, this stabilizing role of public houses where middling householders as the backbone of local societies could meet and interact in a political as well as a convivial way, I think has led to an important correction of that uh, still effectively um, valid um, observation that uh, a lot of disorder happened in public houses, but now I suppose in a rather larger and more balanced perspective. Public houses could be seen as um, providing important bonds between uh, different parts of uh, local as well as regional and and indeed territorial societies because they were nodal points of communication networks. They helped uh, the authorities as well as intellectuals, as well as um, clergymen, as well as and trades people to um, pass on information to make people aware of new developments, to also uh, spread the news about what was allowed, what was not allowed. They were places where negotiations could take place between different parties. For instance, in a conflict, they could be um, accommodating diplomatic encounters on an international um, level. They could very much help um, local authorities to um, liaise with the outside world by uh, using uh, the premises as uh, display points for, for mandates for, for, for national legislation and, and related materials that um, people would come to the public house uh, to see and that would be the most natural place to um, display them um, for maximum attention elements and institutions that could somehow uh, keep a society together then we have to look at conviviality at the way in which they bring people together across the social and gender divides but also perhaps as a secular equivalents or um, complements to um, other communication centers like the church and as Certain religious um, rituals were helping to at least temporarily um, alleviate conflicts in societies and make them appear as a community. So major sort of village feasts conducted at the tavern could provide secular opportunities for the display of a corporate nation um, in a particular local community. Forged and supplemented by a ritual, just as the drinking of health, forged by certain um, ways in which um, people could interact uh, relatively unobserved by their by their authority, and therefore um, helping them overcome also some of the harshness and some of the challenges of everyday life and provide them with a forum, for interaction, the forum which um, provided other perspectives on, on their experience than just work, um, religion and perhaps economic survival.
0: Dr. Kumin's book Drinking Matters, Public Houses and Social Exchange in Early Modern Central Europe is now available. This podcast was produced for the University of Warwick by Tom Abbott. The music was written and performed by Sean and Dylan Owen.